With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Death by Champagne, the podcast here to keep you up at night. We are back this week with part one of two. Both of our stories ended up being about an hour each, so we decided to break this one up for you guys. This week, I tell the unsolved disappearance of Mary Shotwell Little. Fair warning, this case is infuriating. We have twists, we have turns, a possible murder connection, sex scandals, and no answers. This episode contains foul language, sensitive discussions about murder, and a lot of dead ends. We'll do our best to stay on track, but the bottles are popped. Hello. Hi, welcome back to Death by Champagne. We're drinking nighttime mimosas. Real champagne. Yeah. For Mackenzie's birthday. We're recording on my birthday. Yes. This, the first day of my 29th year. (laughs) 29. (laughs) I was treated in the early morning hours when I first rolled out of bed to a low balance alert on my bank account. (laughs) The best kind of alert. The best way to wake up. Just like. Another subtle reminder. <laughs> hey, did you want to have fun today? But here you are. Well, you're 29. You're a fucking 29 year old and you don't get to have any fun. You don't get to. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know what I don't understand about bitch. You don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, I've been bad about like transferring money from my savings. So I'm like, I'll transfer it back when I get paid again. And I'm like, no, you fucking won't because all that money goes to other things. Like, You will not. You also have bills to pay. You will not do such a thing. Uh, yeah, but it's good. Oh, oh, I got yeah. another present. We got another present. The long-awaited oh one 
star rating. One fucking star, people. I'm really proud of it. I am too. <laughs> I literally, I told Chris and I said it with like a smile on my face and he was like, are you being like sarcastic? And he was like, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, we made it. Someone hates us enough to leave a fucking one star review. Well, they only left a rating. They didn't or leave rating, a I'm review. Sorry. Yeah, which I am which a little salty about that. Yeah. I mean, we do say all the time, like, if you email need us. to leave a one-star review, don't even do it and email me instead. Did Which, they email us? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I have our email on my phone oh, at okay. all times. Good. They did not. Okay. But I'm like, you know, just tell us if you honestly care. Because yeah. most of the time I feel like one-star reviews are your blatant, re- like your ideals and your beliefs don't align with ours. Or like, you know, any podcast that you're potentially listening to, you're like, I don't like who you are as a person. Right. So I'm going to leave you a one-star review. I'm going to say that your work is bullshit. Yes. Which is a waste of time. But like, you're never going to change that person. true. Or if you had genuine feedback, tell me. Right. But you didn't. Didn't. But we still got one. (laughs) So I don't care. (laughs) Don't care. I mean, it was probably that we talk about cat shit and vacuuming for 20 minutes before we talk about (laughs) stuff. But you know what? Oh my god. Some people yeah. like it. So sorry people. Or just like learn that there is a fast forward button. Right. I just feel like it comes from a, a a lack of like a misunderstanding of expectation. Yeah. Like they probably thought that they were gonna get one thing and, and they then didn't they didn't get, get it. it. Yes. Or they just fucking hated our voices. That too. Which is still fine. That's fine. I hated our voices for a long time. Sometimes I <laughs> still do. <laughs> Now I'm used to it and it doesn't bother me. But when we first started, I was like, we can't fucking do this. Like, <laughs> We're awful. We do not have radio voices. <laughs> we don't. But if you would like to listen to two people who absolutely have smooth radio voices, we're going to have to point you in the direction of the Yeah, No, Yeah podcast. Yes. Scott and Shiloh from LA Not So Confidential told us to listen to them a long time ago and they've been singing their praises for months and I finally did it. I've been binging the shit out of their show and I mean, never in my life have I so quickly been like, this is, these are my people. This is my shit. I'm going to press the subscribe button. I'm going to keep it in my pocket. Bought a (laughs) t-shirt. Within two days. I was like, within two days of listening. We're done here. I'm buying a shirt. Got a solid fan. It's fantastic. I'm looking them up right now. Katie and Molly host their show with like a different overarching theme each season. And the one that I just finished was about like celebrity scandals and controversies and conspiracies. And it's so good. They cover Brittany Murphy's death. Obsessed with that. Britney Spears' conservatorship with her father. They cover the Clintons. Um, They have an episode about Tiffany Trump that is the most entertaining thing I've listened to all year. Because I don't know anything about her. (laughs) Okay. It's very fun. Well, I just subscribed, so. And their voices are such that if you are listening to um, Rachel McAdams via Regina George and... A young, hot Phyllis Diller were having a conversation. <laughs> That's what they sound like, and it's very pleasing. I'm interested in that. Very opposite from us in that they're definitely two people, and I think that people 50 oh, episodes yeah. in still sometimes don't know who's talking. That's true. With me or you. Yeah. Even people who true. know me are like, I'm not sure what's happening right now. <laughs> no idea. Well, I've been binging uh, Cold. Oh, yeah. I'm almost through that. We so both did that. As soon as that's over. 
I will start listening to their podcast. I'm excited. That podcast is fucking great, but the whole story is just awful. I mean, I want to recommend it, but it's like, do you want to hate your life for the next 30 hours while you listen to this series? Right. You're going to have a new obsession that leads nowhere and that just is a bummer. But that's what we do. So go listen to the show cold. Yeah. Go check it out. It's very good. It's great. Um, also need to give a quick shout out. I haven't actually bought any coffee yet, but I've known about who they were for a while. Coffee? Um, yes. spring Jack Coffee. Followed us on Instagram today and I felt a little special. Oh. Because I've like known who they were today and oh. then just found them on Instagram today. Like I knew about oh, them before. as a company. Yeah. And yeah. like spring Jack, the like British legend of like oh, yes. the, the villain guy. Yes. Do you want to not knock things off the wall with your tail, please, Dumpling? That's so dumb. Yeah, they followed us on Instagram, and I feel really oh, nice about it. Oh, nice. I'm like, thanks for noticing me. Um, Do we have any other life business? We do have a new patron to thank. Yes. Hometown Emily. Woo. Dance team Emily. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, my infamous <laughs> stories of dance team. And then Emily being the only person that listens who truly understands what we went through together. Yes. <laughs> Thanks Thank for you. being part of our Patreon page. We love all of our patrons. Since it's my birthday and my case ended up being, well, both of our cases this week ended up being way too big to yeah. put into one three and a half hour episode. We're going to cut it in half. <laughs> and because it's my birthday, I get to sit on the couch and eat bonbons and drink grapefruit mimosas while Olivia tells me her story. Yes. Um, this one, first of all, everyone, let me tell you, I was struggle bussing hard trying to find a fucking topic which usually I'm not that bad at. Like, usually it's like, okay, literally you have to do whatever the next one you pick. Like, I tell myself that. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of what the fuck it is, you're doing it or you're going back to one of the two you've already started and written halfway through. Oh, yeah. So that was, like, the same thing, but I literally couldn't pick a topic. I went through, I wrote a whole story, and then I was like, I don't, I'm like, like I don't want to talk about it. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't want to tell it. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, you have to find something better. And I was, like, in the mood to do a cold case. So I was like, you've got to find something. So then I came across this one, which is fucking insane. And I did not realize what I was getting myself into until I'm like six pages deep into this research. And I'm like, this is already too long, but I'm not even like halfway done with the fucking story. This is what I go through every single time that we record. No, I can't. I I can't do that. I think other than like the Satan episode where I knew I was seeking Mm -hmm. out like 15 pages worth of information because I knew it needed to be intense to have like... A good, like, you know, a whole story. Yes. From origin to present day. Clearly that was, you know, just a lot of time. A lot of time to cover. Yes. But usually I get really, really over-involved. Or I've noticed I throw a lot of side stories into mine. Oh, yeah. Like a notable place will be mentioned that also has a haunting in it. Or like another person comes in and I'm like, they're also known for this. I feel like this story is more of a your style of... (laughs) storytelling because it's kind of it has a lot of parts and I couldn't just leave stuff out I did leave stuff out because it's just there's just too much but 
That's why every week I just sound like I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm like, you guys, go read it for yourself. It's so good. I'm not going to tell you, (laughs) but go read it. It's insane. Yeah. It's like I can't record myself talking for three and a half hours alone. Um, Right. No, definitely not. Okay. Well, this week I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Mary Shotwell Little. I've never heard of it. Okay, good. So, like I said, the story's fucking insane um you won't feel satisfied you won't have closure you'll only have more answers and i apologize for that i'm 29 now i'm used to being hurt (laughs) (laughs) truth (laughs) Uh, okay let's dive in so we're in atlanta georgia 1965 um and this is years before like the atlanta child murders But it is compared to, like, getting the same type of publicity. Like, people were obsessed with it. It was all over the news. Like, for years, people couldn't stop talking about it. Even to this day, it's, like, a very talked-about topic in the area. Because it's unsolved still. And at the time, the article that I read (laughs) was Free Republic. Yeah, Free Republic. Um... And they gave a lot of good background about Atlanta at the time. It was only a third of the size that it is today in the 60s. So it was still, I mean, it was a growing city, but it was on the very early stages of like, we're going to be a city like Like, Chicago, like New York, like, you know, all these other major cities. Size as in population Population, or size as in like like land size? Land, that too, both. Yes. So it was still very, like, people who lived there grew up with it being very much more smaller. Not, I wouldn't say small town, <laughs> but, you know, smaller community than, like, living in a big city. Right. Um, and so Mary's case happened, like, on the brink of Atlanta becoming this huge population. And one of the journalists at the time, Paul Hem- Hempfill, who covered Mary's case, is quoted saying, Atlanta was just beginning to outgrow its britches when something like this happened. It was almost like a warning shot. You wondered, my God, is this the price we're going to pay to become a big city? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Shades of Chicago all over it. Yes. So I'm going to tell everything kind of chronologically of what we know and then throw in theories and whatnot afterwards. So Mary was originally from Charlotte, North Carolina, She grew up in a middle-class family and was known as outgoing and fun. She went to college at the University of North Carolina, where she studied secretarial science, which is just, like, insane that that was a thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's not a thing anymore, but... uh, I mean, I think it is. Is it? I mean, aren't there some sort of business degrees that you get where, like, that's kind of what it's preparing you for? Not, like, a bachelor's, or maybe it is a bachelor's, but, like, you know, you always see online... Like commercials, like to be for a like to go to an online school, like mm. business admin. Oh yeah, or like like you know, it's always but listed it's alongside that. like yeah. paralegal and medical billing training. That's true, yeah, but it's like to go to Phoenix that University. Don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> so she actually wanted to move to New York after she graduated, but her parents felt that it wasn't safe, and so she moved to Atlanta, Georgia, up and coming city. You know, much smaller than New York. It was way closer to Charlotte, where her parents lived, so they felt safer about her ending up there. She ended up moving with a couple friends from college, and they lived in a triplex. 
which I didn't know was a thing. No, I don't it's know what that is. literally a duplex, but with three. Oh, right. I, know. I like Googled it and I was like, well, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, but I thought, I thought that maybe there was something more to that explanation. No, nope. That would be more <laughs> it interesting. Was literally like, it's a duplex with three <laughs> houses. Great. Instead of two. And but, okay, at what point did we not, like, you know, in St. Louis, you know, you call it a four family. Oh, right. Why yeah. are those not called quadplexes? Yeah, true. <laughs> true. It's just called a four fam. <laughs> So she moved in with some of her college roommates in a neighborhood near Emory University. And she quickly got a job with Citizens in Southern, which was a bank that was a pretty big deal at the time in Atlanta because it was financing most of the construction happening in the area, which there's been scandals there, which I wanted to dive more into, but like I couldn't find a lot of information on. We'll get into it. So, it wasn't until 1964 that Mary would meet her future husband, Roy Little. He was 24 years old and a Citadel grad who had just finished active duty as an army lieutenant. The pair dated for 10 months and then were married over Labor Day weekend in 1965. Then they moved in together. And the week that Mary would go missing, Roy was actually away for training to be an auditor for a bank. Mary and Roy would only be married for six weeks, and she was 25 years old. Mm. So October 14th, 1965. On the evening of October 14th, Mary had gotten dinner with a friend. She'd parked her car in the Lenox Square parking lot, and so that was basically an outside shopping center, like kind of like a like an outlet mall because there were places to eat. They had like cafeteria kind of thing. So she parked her car outside of this. Her and her friend went and ate dinner in the cafeteria, Hung out for a bit. They shopped around for maybe like an hour, an hour and a half. And her friend recalls leaving around 8 p.m. And that she watched Mary walk to her car, a 1965 Mercury Comet. But she couldn't solidly confirm that she watched Mary get in the car and drive off. You gotta do that. I know. I mean, it's not anyone's fault, but you gotta do that. So this was the last time Mm -hmm. Mary could absolutely be confirmed to be seen again, alive or dead. She's never been found. That's scary. I know. I hate mall parking lots. Yeah. Although. Yeah. Some of. I've had like a really weird experience in a mall parking lot. What? Tell me. Like it's funny that I have such an aversion. Like in that moment I'm like ew I hate walking to my car by myself. Yeah. Parking garages are worse than parking lots at night. But like big expansive parking lots. Yes. But I used to get walked to my car. All the time at one of my college jobs in a mall. Yeah. To my car, like by one of the security guys. Or no, he wasn't security. He was like a janitor, I think. I think he was on like the cleaning crew. Oh, okay. But he would always like walk around our little wing of the mall. And when we were closing and like if I was by myself, he would like hang out in front of our store and he would walk me to my car at night. One time he followed me like to do a bank drop off because he was like, I can't believe you're doing that by yourself. Yeah. But it was, like, in the parking lot. Like, oh, yeah. There was, like, a branch yeah. of the bank, like, an ATM drop-off, like, in the parking lot. Right. But he would always, like, sit at the front and, like, watch me drive mm-hmm. through and make sure I was gone. And okay. then he got arrested for robbing a bank. <laughs> no! Yeah. No! Yeah. What? He also offered me pills a few times. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. 
But he's so nice, dude. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, he didn't rob the bank that, like, he was watching me go right. to. So I'm like, oh, he was so nice. Yeah. Like, I still, that I don't care. I don't care that he robbed right. that bank. He was a great guy. Yeah. He also let me, I mean, it wasn't, like, his Segway. Because for some reason, mall security had Segways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he, like, got one one day because it was his job to, like, make sure they were in order. Yeah. And he brought it in the store and was like, do you want to ride it? And I was like, fuck yeah. So I just, like, <laughs> left the store. Oh, my and God. And rode the around the mall. That's amazing. It was a great day. Oh, he sounds like a nice dude. He was. He was so nice. Mm. Arrested for bank robbery. <laughs> Damn. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Back to our story. Yes. So she gets in her car. Well, she leaves the mall. Her friend sees her walk towards her car. We don't know if she got in her car or not. October 15th, 1965. Mary didn't show up for work that Friday. And her husband was out of town, so no one reported her missing that night. Mm. Because no one knew she didn't make it home. Um, But immediately, her co-workers, they were like, this isn't her. Like, she's very punctual. She was, like, the main secretary at the bank. Like, and the boss's main like, basically, you know, she did like anything assistant. that he wouldn't... Yeah, his main assistant. And so, like, it was a big deal for her to not show up. So her co-workers called her apartment. Obviously no answer. So then they called her landlord, who went over to check the apartment and found that the newspaper hadn't been brought in. Like, the daily newspaper for, like, that day. And, I mean, the apartment was empty. No one was home. So then... And the, this is, like, so strange to me. But, I mean, it's just, like, the mindset in the 60s. Instead of calling the police at this point... The bank called, like, has security who works for them, and they're like, you know, drive around town, see if you see her car anywhere. Maybe we'll find her. Maybe she, we don't know. Maybe she fell asleep. Maybe something weird happened, and we'll find her. And I mean, I guess that's valid if you think that you're actually gonna find their car. Like, you know, it's a it's a different time. Maybe it's a smaller area than I'm thinking. Because, like, if I was. In if my you're in like hometown, a tiny fucking town, right? And yeah. I didn't show up to work. You could probably find me at one of five places. So. Well, right, right. So maybe that's what they were thinking. I know it wasn't that tiny of a but town, still but like call the police. <laughs> well, they do call the police because the security guard found Mary's car in the Lennox parking lot where she left. Well, good the mall, and there was blood. Oh no! Inside the car, not good that he could see. No. So the police were called. Um, They come to the parking lot, and there was blood smeared around the front interior of the car, and Mary's undergarments were folded and shoved in between the two front seats. It would be later determined that the car had been driven off the lot, so someone did leave the parking lot, and it had been driven back. No, someone was in the backseat of her car. But again, no one can confirm if Mary drove the car off the lot or if someone, right, was waiting for her. To get in the car and forced her or attacked her when she got to her car. But we can firmly say that that's what happened. We don't know. Someone else was in that car or forced her into her own car. So other strange stuff with the car. The license plate had been replaced and it had been from a reported stolen car from Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Where Mary's from. Yeah. Someone was in that fucking car. (laughs) Someone was. (laughs) So other suspicious things, um, there was a fine coating of red dust on the outside of the car. That's how they determined that it was absolutely driven off the lot because it was probably driven down some kind of dirt road like or something. Clay, yes. Mm-hmm. The blood, there was, 
I'm not going to say a lot of blood, but there was blood found throughout the car on the driver's side door near the handle on the inside of the passenger window smeared like, like this, like you took your hand and like smeared it across the seats of the car. And then on the passenger side headrest, there was blood with grass stuck into the dried blood on the headrest. I'm confused by the wiping. Yeah, I don't understand that. Because it was like, I mean, there's, I can find a picture. I don't know if I have the things, but it looked, I mean, it did. It looked like someone took their hand and like went like that in like a little pile of blood. I wonder if that was like, if she was alive in the passenger seat and someone was removing her from the car. Yeah, maybe. And she was and like, like, you know, dragged her yeah, like, and like that. Like yeah. if I was going to push you off the couch, my hand mm. would start here. There's blood here and I would push you and like right. it would continue. Yeah, maybe that's what it was, like dragging her out. I don't like that there was grass in it though because that already tells me that she was out of the car and back in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like it. Nope. The undergarments found included a girdle, a slip, a pair of underwear that had dried blood on them, a black bra, and a piece of a stocking that had clearly been cut by a knife or scissors, possibly. There were groceries in the back of the car that Mary had bought before going to dinner, and there was a package of Kent cigarettes, which was the brand that Mary smoked, and a few Coke bottles. And there was also a partial print found in blood on the steering wheel. Partial thumbprint. So Tess determined that the blood was likely Mary's. That's what this, like, which also it's the 60s, so I don't know. And that the undergarments were hers, which I'm, that's not a test. That's, like, probably asking her husband, you know. Right, that's, Like, are these Mary's? And they suspected that she had been wearing them, like, that day. Items missing from the car, Mary's car keys, her purse, her shoes, her raincoat, and her olive green dress she was wearing that night that had white flowers on it. So none of that was in the car. Don't like that someone took that with them. Yeah. That's very fucking disturbing. Yeah. So Jim Ponder, who is now retired from the FBI, remembers Mary's case well. I've heard his name before. Ooh. He's quoted saying, that's the only case I worked on that we never solved. In the interview I read with him, he has copies of the files in case they could be useful later down the road. This interview was also conducted in 2004, and at the time he was 83, so he very well is possibly not alive anymore. Yeah. And he is the last person alive who worked on Mary's case when it first grabbed, like, headlines. So, the search for Mary. The initial search was huge. Like I said, like, Atlanta wasn't, like, not even, like, St. Louis. And St. Louis, I don't feel like is you know, like a huge city. It was very much more like community-based and very smaller at the time in the 60s. So thousands of people turned up to help and find her. Like walk through fields, like (laughs) pilots, you know, volunteered their time and their aircraft to fly over anything they could to try to find her. Like everyone was doing everything they possibly could. Mary's parents, Nathan and Margaret, flew down from North Carolina and spent, basically spent their time with their new son-in-law to, like, stay in case a phone call came, in case a ransom note came, you know, all of these things. Like, everyone did everything right, I would say, at the initial investigation. So, the car was the biggest piece of evidence, 
And back in the day, people relied on their odometer to keep track of their mileage and to even, like, take directions, you know? Because it'd be like, oh, I live a mile down this road. So you would, like, set your odometer. And then once you got to a mile, you would know that you're getting close or, like, you know, to turn whatever down whatever road. Like, instead of using it. literally never thought to do that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've had to do that before to get to people's houses out in the country where you don't have cell service. So So that you know for sure that it's been a mile. And there were approximately 41 miles that are unaccounted for on Mary's car odometer. So, like, her husband kept, like, major track of, like, the gas they spent, the mileage, and, like, did all of that. So he was like, there are 41 miles that are... Unaccounted for. Yes, that we did not drive her car. And is that... And she did not drive it. Like, when they found the grass and stuff... In her car? Do they know... Do they have any idea, like, where it went? No. But well, you can assume there's that that's some speculation that later. it at least went twenty miles it, away yes, and twenty miles back. Yes, it at least left the parking lot. They have confirmed that, and well, from just suspicion and like the dust, and that it came back. Yes, and that there's only forty-one miles unaccounted for. So basically, yeah, the main theory is that whoever took Mary drove her somewhere, attacked her, dumped her body, and then drove the car back. But, like, I mean, there are just obviously a bunch of red flags with that. Like, why would you do that? Why would you drive a vehicle back that has evidence in it? And of the tens of people interviewed immediately the morning after the car was found, no one remembers the car being there overnight. Even this overnight security guard who gave people's cars tickets who were parked there overnight did not ticket her car. Did not remember it being there so overnight. So it clearly wasn't. Right. And people who opened the mall that morning don't remember seeing the car. So that means it was driven back well after she would have been noticed as missing. So that's, like, super risky. To go and park the car back where she went missing, essentially, like it in the middle been, of the fucking day. It could have been within an hour of that guy from the bank looking yes, coming to look yeah but it was yeah. a good idea if you're trying to get away with it because if her car automatically i don't know though because if her car isn't there then like your search is just cold yeah but at the same time it's like if it's not there i don't know it's, it's like who's so risky to drive it back from that yeah from thinking that know. she's in town yeah because the only reason you would bring it back is to make people think she's there mm-hmm yeah. That's so confusing. Or that maybe, she, yeah, she never left. That maybe she was attacked right. in the parking lot. But, like, fucking clearly. And then taken in the middle somewhere. of a parking lot and there's blood and grass everywhere. Well, right. And, yeah, there's tons of people who are like, no, it absolutely was not there that night. Um, so, sightings. With all missing persons cases, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of calls come in with so-called sightings of, you know, the missing person or the suspect even. And Mary's case was no different. A woman who was at the shopping center the night Mary went missing saw a Comet, the type of car she had, and she only noticed the type of car because she had the same type of car. And she saw a woman matching Mary's description drive away alone. And the woman's husband confirmed this. So according to their account, she did leave the parking lot and she left alone. But, like, then what happened in between? You right. know, how did someone get her then? Like, how is she now missing if she never made it back to her apartment? Well, and if she left alone, how... The person would have had to ask her, 
And she would have had to tell the truth of like, where did you come from? So I can take your car back there. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't know that right. if she yeah. had picked if up she, a hitchhiker yeah, that's true. or ran another errand. Right. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't have known car. that she was there. Yeah. Someone that knew her did it. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> it's infuriating. <laughs> We're 15 minutes in and I have a lot of theories. <laughs> So weeks after her disappearance, this is where shit gets insane. Um, it was discovered that Mary's credit card and signature was used at two gas stations near Charlotte, North Carolina, on October 15th, so the day she was reported missing, and one at a gas station in Raleigh, North Carolina. The, I think it's Raleigh. I don't Raleigh, care. In Raleigh, North Carolina. The attendants told the police that they recall an unshaven middle-aged man driving a car that they couldn't remember with a female in the passenger seat who appeared to have a head injury. They wrote down the license plate number, which turned out to be from a stolen car in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Mary's parents confirmed her signature. And it was signed, like, like what she would sign. It was signed, like, Miss, um, like, Roy, Miss Roy Little. Like, so it was signed her, like, husband's name, essentially. But they were like, no, that is her handwriting. That's her signature. And that's how she was. Was the credit card in her name? Yes. Yes. I mean, I suppose she's married, so it's fine. But can I, can I be a little bit dated and sexist and say that I was surprised she even had a credit card in her name in the 60s? Oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, it was in her name, though. Mm -hmm. Like, she didn't have to sign it, Mrs. Roy Little. No, no. But maybe, like, being a newlywed, you know, she was only married for six weeks. And I guess if it was her signature, she used it for whoever that was. Yeah. But if a man was there with her, like, I don't know. Like, did they say, like, oh, yeah, this is my husband. He's the one that made me bleed from the head. No, they said that she averted her eyes and that he, the, so, okay, we'll get into it. The first, (laughs) at Charlotte, it was one man. The attendants both said there was one man, that's what he looked like. In Rayleigh, Raleigh, two men. The attendants saw two men with her and said that they were very, they weren't like aggressively controlling, but like the situation you could tell was just like, they were like kind of controlling her and she like averted her eyes. But, and that's why they wrote down the license plate. I don't know if they reported it, you know, maybe they reported it to local police there and they were like, we don't fucking know. Wait, we can't track down yeah. a moving car right now. Right. But then, you know, once the credit card receipts came in, which, you know, back then Later. it took like weeks. Yeah. Then it, I mean, by then, yeah, the it was cold. Like the trail was cold of where these people went and who they were. So more into this. So it has absolutely been confirmed that Mary's credit card was used in the early morning hours at the gas station in Charlotte which is a little over four-hour drive from Atlanta. So we can assume her car was not the one. They did not drive her car to Charlotte. Then where did it go? It went somewhere, maybe to another car, and then someone yes. else drove it back. Yeah, That's where it's just like the, it gets so weird. Because let's say, okay, let's say the credit card was used at midnight, early morning hours. Let's say at the... You know, at earliest the, right. midnight. That means it was used, it was confirmed to be used 12 hours later in Raleigh, right? Yeah. North Carolina. So you're, you're hanging out somewhere. Which is only two and a half hours from Charlotte. And it's farther away from Atlanta. It goes Atlanta, Charlotte, Raleigh. So it's like a six something hour drive from Atlanta. 
So they absolutely did not have her car by the time in Raleigh. And in Raleigh, it was two men. So maybe, yeah, maybe they were hanging they out in Charlotte someone up. while he returned, while one of the other men returned to the car. Mm. Or maybe they followed and him back. And then the next guy drove. took her. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's one man seen in Charlotte. Twelve hours later, all her plus two men are seen in Raleigh. And it's an only two and a half hour drive away. So, yeah, what were they doing? So she was obviously alive when, you know, if we can believe the attendants saw her in Raleigh, North Carolina. So she was alive midday, October 15th. And that was like, I mean, the last sighting you could say of her. But right, like just the timelines don't add up. And how many people would have to be involved to get her car back There'd have to be three, because if there's one person with her, say, in Charlotte, and then the other two are returning her car, have another car to drive to Charlotte to meet them, and then they all get in the same car together and then go to Raleigh, but then where's the third one? Like, you can't do all that with two people if you have to return a car back to a spot. Because the car wasn't returned till the next day. So, well, like, like, the timing. Someone had to have been returning it. And the mileage doesn't add up. Right. So, they didn't drive her car. Unless she was left somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. By herself mm-hmm. or with yeah. someone. Like, if she was left. By herself. You know, I keep going back to like grass. Like, maybe she was yeah. left somewhere, wooded, secluded, and then they picked her. Like yeah. Someone picked her back up. Maybe. So. Those are like the main, I mean, that's like all the main evidence that anyone has. So suspects in theories have, it's always the husband. Although police were working every angle they had, they were quietly honing in on Roy, Mary's new husband. This was far before the statistics that we have today of like the likelihood that it is the husband or the spouse or the significant other, whatever the fuck. But he was just like, odd to police he wasn't motive wise they couldn't figure out why he would kill mary or hurt her in any way because the life insurance policy he got was nothing barely you know they were young they were in their early fucking 20s he didn't get anything but just the way he acted towards police detective ponders quoted saying you had to drag everything out of roy he didn't volunteer anything hmm and he was out of town, but, like, maybe that was a setup, you know, to yeah. then plan all of this. I thought that. Or maybe he's the yeah. one that moved your fucking car if he yeah. was already out of town. Yeah. On further investigation into other aspects of Mary's life, detectives also discovered that a number of her close friends and even her roommates before marrying Roy hated Roy. A lot of them didn't go to their wedding because of how strong their dislike was for Roy in this marriage. Why is Roy such an ass? I don't know. I don't know. But on the other side of that, Roy's family and friends will say that he was like quiet devastation. Like that he mourned and like was upset privately and that he was a very reserved private person he wasn't gonna let that out in front of other people but that he was extremely distraught by mary's sudden disappearance yeah so like on the other side of that there are people who are like that wouldn't happen i mean he wouldn't have done anything but if i went missing cash probably wouldn't go cry on tv (laughs) well right right so honestly though with i mean the negativity that Roy was treated with by the police and then eventually the town. He ended up losing his job 
he got, he quit, but like people at the job would later admit to making him so miserable that it was known that he wasn't welcome there. Mm-hmm. So he quit. He ended up moving to Mexico for a time, Whoa. got remarried, moved back in the 90s, got divorced, got remarried again. At the time of this interview in 2004, he was 63 living in Florida and had consistently turned down interview requests about Mary's disappearance. So he's not talking. He hasn't had, and he never has, other than the initial investigation with the police. So the second theory, Mary's own behavior was put into question when close friends came forward to police to say that she had been acting oddly the days leading up to her disappearance. And based on what her friends were saying, I wouldn't necessarily say her behavior was odd. I would say almost that, like, she was possibly being stalked because she, she like, called a friend and expressed her fear of something that she couldn't explain. And her friend was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I don't know. I just, I'm a, I don't even want to be outside. I'm, like, just so freaked out. Like, I feel like someone's going to get me just, like, and it's just like, what, why, why do you feel this way? What the fuck are you talking about, Mary? But like, she just felt strongly that like someone was possibly watching her or out to get her for some reason. And days leading up to her disappearance, she had received an anonymous red dozen bouquet of flowers. What? To her, her, um, her work. Yeah. And her husband didn't step up and claim that? He didn't know about it. She never told him about it. Oh. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say he didn't do it because that night he would be like, what do you have to tell me about your day? No, he... What are you happy about? He didn't know about it. And also people at work uh, stated that they had overheard some phone calls. Like, she was getting strange phone calls at work. And someone overheard her say, please leave me alone. I'm a married woman now before hanging up the phone. Okay. Yes. So that's the new angle. Yes, possibly. (laughs) There's a bunch of angles. So her coworkers also told police that Mary was adamant about telling them something like days leading up to her disappearance, but like never got around to doing it. How? This leads into the next topic. So the next one is the sex scandal that was possibly happening at the bank she was working at. This is really weird and confusing because there's not any information. They covered that shit up, like, real quick. The bank did. Obviously. So apparently, at Mary's work, right around the time of her disappearance, there was some sort of... It kept calling it a sex scandal. There were terms... Lesbian harassment was used. Prostitution was used in some of these descriptions. So I was, like, very confused on, like... What it like, was there some kind of low key sex working ring going on, or were two women caught alone in an office room after hours because they thought no one was there and it's the 60s and they felt safe and comfortable to hook up, you know, somewhere where no one was gonna be? Like, what we like, I was very confused on the wording of everything and like what type of scandal in quotes we were looking at. Well, and like, what kind of context. Was were any of those words used? Like what did it like say? as a scandal? It, it was, was just like, like scandal at the bank. Yes, blah, scandal blah, blah, at the bank. Lesbian harassment, possible prostitution. An FBI agent was hired by the bank owners to go in and investigate undercover. So he was hired to go undercover into the bank as like a worker to see what was going on at the bank. 
After the headline or before? Before. Yeah. Um, so he'd been working while Mary was working there. So her husband's out of town. She's working at a place where there's a secret FBI investigation going on about something illegal lesbian prostitution, sex work Possible, in the 60s, yeah. which I'm not convinced of at this point, honestly. No, I know. Um, and that's why I was like, okay, so are they saying like, are they just saying like two women were caught together and like, well, or what are, yeah, like what is being said right now? Is the reaction to a lesbian tryst? But then they also said lesbian harassment. So then was... It was the person that called her a woman? I don't know. We don't know. I'm pissed. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it gets worse. I'm pissed. You're just going to get more mad. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, I, we don't know. The boss has been in a couple, like her boss at the time has been in a couple interviews, very much downplaying the whole thing and saying that Mary didn't know anything about it that she wasn't involved, that it involved lower-level employees. Those are the words he used. Lower than a female secretary in the 60s? Right, I know. So I'm... So I, the janitorial staff. Right. I, maybe. I don't know. I literally don't know. And I tried. I looked. I literally looked not, it up. You know what? Not even, even janitors. Because I feel like the implication when I say janitor is that that's a person that's there during the hours that the bank is open. It would be a cleaning crew after right, the fact after, that it was women. Yeah, yeah. That's still today. To this day, that's how that would work. Oh, yeah. So I have, could Mary just, have been killed for knowing too much about, like, some, like if it was a legit possible sex ring going on at this bank, like, what if she was killed because she found out? Well, I guess it would make sense that someone knew where her car was parked. Yeah. Or where it needed to be parked if they yeah. were following her. Yeah. So the fourth um theory i'm tired i can't I take any more of these <laughs> after mary's disappearance hit the news a woman came forward who claimed she had been attacked well almost attacked the same night in the same parking lot what? that mary had been last seen on the night mary went missing this woman claimed a man with a brown crew cut approached her she saw him following her first of all so she hurried to her car got in immediately locked the door and then he approaches the car and knocks on the window. No. And she's like, go away. Like, you're not getting in my car. Good. She tells him that. And he's like, your back tire is flat. I just Don't wanted care. you to know. Yeah. So she's like, okay, bye. Drives off. Drives to, like, the closest gas station. Gets out. Checks her tire. It's fine. So that is that lead is what the FBI detective I talked about earlier, his main theory is that you know, that was apparently minutes before Mary walked out to her car. And no. then this man did approach Mary and did get her attention or, you know, snuck up on her or whatever it was and probably took her somewhere and killed her. How are there this many weird things going on? I don't know, in because one then town. that doesn't explain her credit card and her being spotted with men. Yeah. I mean, unless those all just like meld into one story. Right. You could right. tack that part with her credit card and two men onto any of these other ones. Yep. So, also, rumors started circulating that maybe Mary had left of her own accord, staged her own death, and no. that she had run away with another woman after the sex scandal story came out. Okay, but, like, who stages their death? I don't know. You just leave. Right. You literally just leave. And there, it was actual blood. It wasn't, like, so she had someone, she probably had to have been bleeding if she was going to stage that. Like, why would you, no, no, that's too much. So, 
On the year anniversary of her disappearance, police admitted that they were no closer to solving the case than they were when she first disappeared. So it's essentially becoming a cold case. Then, 19 sex... 19 sex. 19 sex. <laughs> 1967, on May 19th, about a year and a half after Mary's disappearance, 22-year-old Diane Shields goes missing. She left work in her Chevy Impala, but never made it home. This whole thing is fucking weird. And if it is a coincidence, it's a big fucking coincidence. Diane was a receptionist who transferred to the bank Mary worked at after she went missing. She sat at Mary's desk and filled her position while she was missing. No. Yes. Diane became friends with a lot of Mary's friends, and she even roomed with Mary's roommates for a short amount of time. She later would leave that company and go work downtown as a receptionist and move in with her sister. Anyway, so she leaves work at this new place. So she wasn't working at the bank Mary was working at when she went missing, but she did work there. She leaves work and her sister, you know, is worried because she hasn't come home yet, calls the police. So they give a description of Diane and her vehicle and they start patrolling the area to find, to see if they can find her car. Around 2.30 a.m. on May 20th, her car was spotted at a drive-up laundromat. When the officer approached the vehicle, he could visibly see blood dripping from the trunk of the car. Oh, my God. Diane's keys were left in the ignition, and upon opening the trunk, they found Diane Shield's body face down and cramped between a spare tire and a cardboard box. And there's pictures of the trunk. I, I can't tell if she's in the trunk because there's that much shit in the trunk. Like, so she was majorly shoved and crammed into the trunk. And she was also engaged at the time. She was supposed to be getting married two months later in July. So, I mean, some weird similarities to Mary's case. Yeah. Also, she received a bouquet of red roses the day. Are you fucking kidding me? No, no. So there's two different stories of that. There's one... That is talked about a lot and then said that it was proven to not be related because it was actually sent from like a babysitting client of hers. But then there's other cases, like there's other stories from her roommates at the time, like before she moved out, she got red roses at that house that Mary lived at and it freaked her out. And she was apparently getting weird phone calls as well living there. That also freaked her out, and that is why she ended up moving and why she left that job. Because she got these red roses that Mary got the week before she was went missing, and then she was getting these weird fucking phone calls. So, the difference is, though, in the case. Diane was found fully clothed, and she had not been sexually assaulted. There was nothing missing from her car at all. She was still wearing her engagement ring, so, like, that ruled out robbery. A scarf and a piece of paper were found in her throat, like shoved down her throat. Ew, no, what was on the paper? It was like torn from like a phone book. It wasn't like relevant at all from what they (sighs) had looked into. So, uh, yeah, I said the red roses thing. Okay, it's clearly the same person. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't until her sister came forward like saying... No, she received red roses at that place she lived at before leaving with me. And that's the whole reason why she moved out. And apparently, I don't know if any of this is true because, I mean, 
in articles, police have denied it, but also they would deny it if, if it was true. She was, once she moved in with Mary's roommates and got a job, police approached Diane and asked her because they were investigating Mary's roommates. There were a lot of people in the area in the police who believed Mary's roommates were involved with her disappearance and death. And so they asked Diane, get in, you know, see what you can find out and learn. So she had told like some of her closest friends outside of all of this that, you know, like, oh my gosh, the police asked me to like be involved in this missing persons. And like, I'm kind of like helping them investigate, you know, like she was excited about it. And then she but you lived getting, there. Yeah, she fucking lived there. Then she was getting weird phone calls. She got the flowers, like, you know, and then she was like, no, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. What if it's a weird, like, the craft situation and it's, I mean, like a guy that likes one of them and they're like, yeah, we'll love you if you maybe. do this for us. And then they start fucking with someone else. Maybe. Hate it. Fucking weird. So the police have denied that anyone that they don't know about anyone approaching Diane telling her to do that in the police force. So maybe it was What if it was that person? What if right. that was the murderer? Maybe. What if pretending they told her to, to be do a police that? officer? I'm dead. <laughs> could be. It could be. So this gets real dark, so I'm gonna explain like oh her death. Um she was killed extremely Brutally. The autopsy revealed that the cause of death had been strangulation, and the medical examiner noted that at least five times the amount of force that you would need to kill someone was exerted on her. Like, everything was crushed. Is one person that strong to do that with just their hands? Well, it was done with a rope. Or a possible wire, but, like, I think it was more a rope is what the, like, medical examiner, like, finalized. And the scarf that was shoved down her throat was done, like, in such a violent manner that it, like, absolutely could have eventually caused her death. But the final ruling was strangulation. She had a head injury to the right side of her face and a cut on the back of her head, which was probably the result of a fall. Her shoes were the only item of clothing not found on her body. And the bottom of her tights were dusty, like, on her feet. Like, she'd been walking on dirt or, you know, outside somewhere or something. Red dust. And her legs also had numerous scratches that the detectives could not explain. So, with her working at the same place as Mary's, like, a question that comes into mind is, did she find out the same information? Was she asked to find out any information about a possible sex ring happening? And did she also find out too much and then get killed for it? Like, I mean... That is a possibility. Okay. There's another theory. Oh my god. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is gonna go on for ages. It's not. We're almost there. But So, this one is from Reddit, which I find very interesting. This was the Jane Doe I was talking to you about. Okay. So, a partial skeleton of a Jane Doe was found in 2002 in a wooded area near Fulton County Airport. During the 60s, access to this airport was a two-lane dirt road, when now it's, like, right off the highway. It's roughly 22 and a half miles, depending on the route you take, from the shopping center that Mary's car was parked at to the airport, which could account for the 41 miles if someone drove directly to the airport and back. The theory, yeah, accounts for the 41 accounted miles, um... I'll post photos because there's photos of, like, whoever, 
whatever that job is that you take a skeleton and figure out what they looked like. A reconstruction artist? Yes. <laughs> they Someone did that, and I could see it, like, it, there are similarities, absolutely, between that and Mary. Um, the only, like, definitive things they could release on, like, the Doe Network was uh, she was a white woman, age 25 to 50, and she was found with a sterling silver ring. And the estimated date of death is listed years prior. So, like, they literally have no fucking clue. Her torso wasn't found. Her mandible was missing. Like, one of her limbs was missing. It, Yeah, so, so it was just partial. Find? Like, very, very, very partial. They have DNA. They were able to extract DNA from the skeletal remains. And they have some dental records, they said. Because oh. they have some of the teeth. God. So if you have any information, oh wait, no, I'll say that next. So anywho, so this is just a theory that this could possibly be Mary because it was in the area and it is the distance that her car could have driven. Like even if they drove her car there, left it, took her somewhere, killed her, brought her back, or like took her car back and then still brought her back to that area and buried her, not sure. But also, currently the most likely like, identification of this Jane Doe has been given by Gerald Patrick Lewis, who was a serial killer in the 80s and 90s. He died in prison in July of 2009, but told detectives he had dumped a body in that area in either 1993 or 1994. He believed her name was Bodine or Bodine. He picked her up at the Alamo on Metropolitan Parkway, which was formerly known as Stewart Avenue. So if you have any information about this particular Jane Doe, Again, we'll post pictures. You can contact 404-613-4400 with the case number 02-1548. So I was just like one Reddit theory I thought was interesting then. Yeah. Yeah. So for the most accounts that I've read through, police opinion on both Mary and Diane's cases are pretty split. Like about half of the department believed that she left of her own accord and the other half believed that you know, something bad happened to her. And along with that, another split, you know, half the department believed Diane's and Mary's cases were connected, half didn't. Like, okay, even, I just don't even, she did not leave of her own accord. Well, right. I feel like once you hear that two people, I mean, unless someone is so disgusting that they're like, okay, this girl now lives with this probably deceased girl's roommates, I'm going to fuck with her and send her flowers. Unless that's what happened, they both get flowers. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's the same person. Yeah. Well, and there was another one of Mary's roommates, like right before she went, or right after she went missing. I mean, she wasn't roommates with them anymore. She lived with her husband, but one ended up moving out. I guess she was already married. I don't know why she wasn't living with her husband at the time. But she received a phone call saying, you're next, from someone. And so she left. She left the apartment. And, like, what? she's okay. Yeah. But, like, there were also a bunch of, you know, prank calls, prank things happening at the time. Like, as soon as she went missing, someone wrote to John a ransom, or Roy, John, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> Roy, her husband, a ransom and, like, a list of instructions on what to do. What? He did them all. Got the money. And, like, the instructions were basically to drive out to this remote area and there would be a piece of paper underneath a specific rock 
find it and do what was on the paper. He got there. The paper was blank. So it's just like this happened. And I'm sure it happens still now, like, you know, with missing persons like that, you know, people don't even know about. So who's to say if any of those other phone calls were real or if they were just people prank calling, but but it's still weird circumstances. I think if you, it's so far as you're going to lure a person out to a specific spot and then just fuck with them. Yeah. I think, I mean, in my head, obviously, like I have no legal standing. Mm -hmm. I have no reason to think this way. But once someone fucks with you like that, and then another girl gets a bouquet of flowers and another girl gets a phone call that says you're next. That's clearly the same. T- yeah. That's the same behavior. Yeah. 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 I. This is a fucking horror movie. It's insane. <laughs> and they're both, both Diane and Mary's cases are unsolved. No. Yes. 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 Ugh. So, I have one last theory for you. Oh my god. It is probably one of the strangest. It's... I think it's being looked at now more seriously, but at the time it was very dismissed by police and FBI I'm and other investigators. Literally, like sweating. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. We're almost there. So September 9th, nineteen sixty six, a little under a year since Mary had disappeared, a man named Larry Stargle, who was twenty three at the time and currently serving a life sentence for murder in a Georgia prison, requested the presence of police officers involved in Mary's case, claiming that he had information. So September 20th, 1965, Lieutenant Jack Perry goes to interview Larry, and he ends up writing, not at this instance, he tells a story, we'll get into that later, but eventually, not even a month later, Lieutenant Jack Perry comes back and Larry ends up writing a 19-page statement of what happened to Mary. And he initials every single page, but he refuses to sign the whole thing because he's afraid of what's going to happen to him in prison. Which he was put into, like, not, like, solitary, but, like, essentially that. I mean, he was, like, kept from people because he was legit afraid of what was going to happen. Yeah, I think that would be solitary. Yes. But you're just kept there for a different reason. So, essentially, his story is, at the time, Larry was working at the local movie theater, hanging out with a rough crowd. In July of 1965, he met a man named Gerald Jerry Mason at the theater. They became friends and hung out often, taking trips to Atlanta, staying at some shady hotels, and, I mean, doing petty crimes, eventually. There was another man who was never named in what I read. So I don't know if he wouldn't give the name. It would always referred to him as the other man. Or if it was, like, just, you know, redacted from the information provided. Regardless, there was another man that Mason hung out with. And they would burglary, vandalize, do things like this together, whatever. So according to Larry, the night of the 14th, he went to the movie theater alone to watch a movie. And it ended at 3.30 p.m. He then headed over to the Grady Hotel where he was planning on meeting Mason at 4 p.m. Mason and the unnamed man wanted Larry to go see another movie with them. So they all went to another movie. This got over, and immediately after the movie... Larry claims that Mason and the other man said, hey, hang out here, we have some business to attend, and left. 
which like I don't believe for a fucking second. So 8 p.m., Mason arrives back to the theater to pick up Larry and notices, and Larry notices that his windbreaker and pants are bright red on one side of his body. He only notices this because the windbreaker is bright fucking yellow and it's just like red. It's blood. Like it's obviously blood. And he's carrying a brown paper bag. There's no explanation of if, like, Larry asked him questions of, like, what's going on or what. But 9 p.m., he says, let's go home. I have to change, and then we're going to go to dinner. So that's what happens. Then Mason leaves and says, I have to go meet someone in Mount Holly, North Carolina. So October 17th, so this is, like, five-ish days later, 1965. So that all happened the night that Mary went missing. October 14th. Convenient. October 17th. A couple days later. Larry's working um, when Mason and the unnamed man come to the theater, wait for him to get off work. They head to the hotel to hang out, fuck around. And then Mason shows Larry a large sum of money. It's like five grand. And he tells him, we got this for, we got paid this for kidnapping. And then there's like a back and forth of what are you talking about? And he tells them who they kidnapped. And Larry tells them, or Larry's like, you're going to get caught. Everyone in this fucking town is looking for her. Like, what are you talking about? And then asking, like, is she dead? And they're like, no, she's not dead yet. Like, that's what they tell Larry. So he claims he doesn't see the men for three weeks. Doesn't ask anything. How do you leave after you hear that information and you don't go tell someone? Exactly. I wonder if he was claiming this unnamed man and really the unnamed man is him. He was like an accomplice. Yeah. Yeah. Like that he's telling the story as if there were three people involved and it was was just him. One was him. Yes. I wonder if that's guilty. Not sure. But so, yeah, he claims he didn't see them for three weeks. um, And at which point they show up to the movie theater again randomly asking if he wants to hang out that weekend. He says, sure. So they drive down a dirt road to a house in Mount Holly, North Carolina, which is where the night that Mary went missing, Mason told Larry he had to go there that night. So he also states that there were three other men that he didn't know at the house, but they were leaving the house. They all looked to be about in their 30s. Said they just fucked around, drank, hung out. Around 4 a.m., Larry was woken up between an argument between a man and a woman. He, or the woman, was asking when they were going to be taking her back to Atlanta. And the man said, keep on talking and you're never going back. So the following morning, Larry asks about the woman, you know, the arguing that he heard. And Mason confirms that it's the woman that they were paid to kidnap in Atlanta. And that it's Mary. And so... He basically settles him down because Larry's, like, freaking out at this point. Like, um, like, because now maybe he told himself in his head, like, this wasn't real. They didn't actually kidnap someone right. or her. Like, I'm not in danger because but now, they didn't do this. Right. But now he has heard her. He's woken up by her yelling at one of the men. So now he's like, okay, is this, like, Ugh. this is real. So then he basically, Mason tells him, like, calm the fuck down. We're taking her home tomorrow. Like, we're taking her back to Atlanta tomorrow. And then he goes and shows her Mary, supposedly, and he sees a naked woman in a bed covered in fucking bruises and her hands and feet are tied behind her back. No. She's sleeping at the moment when he sees her. 
So the sleeping f- or sleeping. Right. Well, she she wasn't dead because mm. of this next part. The following morning, Larry. Um, nope, that's not it. The following day, the three men, along with Mary, leave the home around 1.30 p.m. As Mason promised, Larry, we're taking her home tomorrow to go back to Atlanta. Larry and the unnamed man are in the front seat. Or, I'm sorry. No, yes, that's correct. Yes. Unnamed man is driving. Or, Mason is in the back seat with Mary. He then tells police that within 15 minutes of driving, Mary looks out the window and he can see her in, like, the rearview mirror. And Mason grabs her by the neck, pulls her down to him, takes a knife, and stabs it right underneath her ear. Pulls it out. She moans, tries to move, falls down into the floorboard where Mason covers her up with a rug. No. Please, no. The end. That's all that they have posted about it. Yeah. So, Larry's original story that he tells police before the October 12th date is that Mason, one night they were at, they were drinking, hanging out. Mason pulls out a credit card and it has Mary's name on it. And then he tells him, me and that guy got paid $5,000 each to kidnap her. And then he says, I want to show you something. Takes him out to the airport. Don't look. And shows her where her dead body is. Nope. Yeah. So that's the first story he tells. And police do. They go and investigate. They look where he said. They talk to construction people. At the time they go and look, there's like... I don't know if it was like construction being done or if there was... They made it sound like where the body was said to be. There was clearly a dug out area, but now there's like this concrete mass on top of it. So they'd have to like get construction workers involved and like getting rid of it and all this stuff. So it's like, how credible is this dude? So then they go back to him to be like, you need to give us more information because we went there. We didn't see her. So what's your story? And that's when he tells this whole story that, well, actually I was basically fucking with them when they killed her or when Mason killed her. Just basically. Yeah. So Mason would actually later be convicted in 2003 for murdering two police officers in California in 1957. And he ended up dying in prison in 2017. 2017? Yeah. So I that article that I read all of that from was from 2019. So... I don't know if it's being reevaluated as like credible, but at the time, nothing was done with that what? information. I mean, other than going to check out his story, but other than that, like, the, yeah, I don't think people believed him. So that's all I have. No! <laughs> but if you have any information about these cases, they are still both open, both. Mary Littles and Diane Shields. And you can contact the Atlanta Police Department at 404-614-6544 or the East Point Police Department at 404-761-2177 or the FBI Atlanta office at 770-216-3000. 
You can also reach out to Crime Stoppers with any information you have. That's yeah. so awful. I know. I mean, the story is it's great. fucking insane. It's a good like. I mean, for the type it's of the story most arc insane that I like to follow. That was fantastic. I wish it wasn't real, oh. and I wish it had an ending. Yeah, I know. I wish. It, How I wish. Frustrating. Yeah. I know. I can't believe Diane's is unsolved too. There just seems like there could be so much to go on. Right. But right. everything is like just out of reach. Yeah. God. Yeah. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep looking into it. Yeah. Well, there's still articles. As of 2019, there's articles about it. So mm-hmm. someone is. I got to the point of like, I feel like I knew so much that I was just skimming like blog threads because I'm like yep 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 check 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 and then like if there was like a word or a phrase that popped up that I wasn't familiar with I was like oh what's this theory what do we have here (laughs) because it's it's all over the place yeah but yeah you would think someone I mean or even that she would have been found and and I couldn't find anywhere whether that Jane Doe had been tested right with Mary's DNA and it's just to go this long with no answers because there are None. so many. None. It's not right. It's not like she literally vanished without a trace. Well, and it's not is the person who killed her innocent or guilty? It's not even who did it. It's yeah. where is she? Right. Where is where? She? Where's her body? Where's her body? Where did she end up? Or did she leave of her own accord? I don't think so. But I liked. I like to give that I don't think space. so either, but... I like to give that answer for space because I would like her to be alive, but... Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. God. That is the disappearance of Mary Shotwell Little and the murder of Diane Shields. I just need to know. Yeah. I need to know everything. <laughs> Girl, I know. I went down so many rabbit holes. That is so nuts. fucking many. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, big deep breath. Big exhale. Oh my gosh. That was a lot. That was. Fuck. All I want to do is Google it and just like start my own rabbit hole. Google it. Do it. There's so many Reddit threads. We'll have to stay updated so on that one. Many. Maybe yeah. we need to do that. Ever since we stopped, like we called our whole first year a season. Yeah. And then this year is a season and this year for this quote, season, we decided we weren't going to do any overarching episode themes. Oh, yeah. Because it got yeah. to be a lot. But maybe yes. we need to do some sort of recap. We've talked about that forever. I know. We should do that. We should do an update episode. Yeah. On Just some like of the on stuff all the open cases. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton that we've covered that were not closed. So many, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, might have answers now. Yeah. Or at least new developments. Yeah. So now we can put that on the docket. <laughs> um, we oh still have September gosh. Patreon coming your way for our Patreon subscribers. Yes. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yay. Hopefully we got a big one coming for you in September. I'm yeah. working on a, I mean, as always, working on a doozy. <laughs> of course. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm kind of speechless. Like I can't I even outro our show because I'm like, what? I know. <laughs> I know. There's just so much I'm evidence. Drained. This was actually usually I like tell Chris the story before, like I come yeah. over, or, like as I'm researching, I'll tell him about it. So then I get like all the facts in my head straight. But you know, I kind of do a dry run, right? I couldn't with this one because I was like, there, I, 
where do I start? Right. We'll be here for two hours. I told some people. <laughs> As we've been. <laughs> quietly. Those that choose to participate in my type of entertainment. Oh, yeah. I told some people quietly at work, like, what I was doing on. Oh, yeah. Like, for this week. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just baffled. I yeah. don't understand it. Yeah. And I was like, it's so big that I haven't even uncovered every section of it yet. Right. And it's just, it's, there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. Since we're releasing this episode in two parts. And we're doing standalone mm. cases. I think you're also going to draw a lot of parallels between this week and next week. I'm interested. Yeah. I'm excited for yours. Yeah. Next week. It's a big one. And we're local. We're right here Woo! in St. Louis. Good. Um, we don't really have any more oh my gosh. business, I don't think. I think my throat will fall out <laughs> if I talk anymore. <laughs> it's good. Work that up. Work that up. <laughs> then you could be like me, nice and lubricated at the end of an hour and a half of just fucking flapping your jaws it to just, yourself. Yeah. Feels <laughs> raw. It hurts. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything you today did. other than Good listen. for you. It's your birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 29 is going to be a blast. Of course it is. Lots of things to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, One of them. The time will be passed when you hear this, but we're going to go to Hop in the City this weekend. What? What? <laughs> I don't even like IPAs. Is that what it is? Hop in the City, it's all IPAs? I am guessing. <laughs> I just thought it was called that because like generic beer terms and shitty marketing, but whatever. I'm guessing it's that. I thought they have it, a stout festival too. Oh, I thought so it was going to be. like stout and oyster. Oh, in, yeah. In like early. Like in the fall. And then the winter one is like everything you could imagine. Like, all the different kinds. So well, I'm guessing this is mostly going to be... That makes me much happier. Oh, because, I know, because you love IPA. <laughs> and I actually hate every Schlafly beer I've ever tried. What? I hate what? every Schlafly beer I've ever tried. I mean, I've probably tried, like, six. But if you can buy it in a bottle at Schnucks, I don't like it. I'm shook right now. I mean, I think they're most... Well, I don't even know what they're most... Like, what, Schlafly Pale Ale? The most normal thing ever? Yeah, probably. Unpopular local opinion. I think it tastes like garbage water. I don't think I like that one. <laughs> but like they're blonde. They're like coconut. No, they're double ble- bean blonde or whatever. Oh, I've never had anything that like artisanal. No, that one's <laughs> fucking good. It's like it tastes like coffee, but it is a blonde ale. So it's not like a stout or it's dark. Because I don't like, well, so d- situation depending. I'm not going to buy a stout and Bring it home and drink it. Well, right. I would taste one. Right. Add a tasting, yeah. but yeah. I'm not going to go buy I'm one. i there's some ciders. I'm sure there'll be something. Right. Or else I'm just going to, I don't know, go inside and get, get a, a beer, beer I actually fucking like and drink that. Acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's all IPAs. I think it is. I mean, that's what I'm guessing. Bring I a wagon. Been. Bring a wagon <laughs> to cart me. You home. guys are going to be out of control and I'm going to have to leave your asses because I'm going to go to Jonas okay. Brothers. Okay. Well, you're going to the Jonas Brothers, <laughs> so I think you have more license than anyone to get wasted. Well, I want to go to dinner first and be a normal person. Well, I think you need to have like a chill out taco in the middle of it. Yeah. Like you need to be like, oh, I'm going to stop drinking for a minute and have a meal. Yeah. And yeah. then you can just save your money at Scott Trade. That is true. Also, fingers crossed for an incident-free yes, Scott Train. You're already engaged. Oh my god! So I nothing know. good can happen Jesus. at Scott right. Train now. Nothing, nothing good can ever happen there, <laughs> other than an uneventful concert. It's true. It is true. Yeah. 
Fingers Unless crossed. Unless one of us, like, breaks our legs or something. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, if Mariah's as drunk as she was on the boat last weekend, you have your hands full, so God bless. God, I'm leaving her there <laughs> if she's that drunk. <laughs> Mariah, when are you going to catch up on the podcast and realize yeah, that we talked shit about you? Fuck up. <laughs> this is going to be in, like, three months that she listens to this, and I'm going to get a text about it. LOL. <laughs> Too late now. What are you going to do? Yeah. We'll be back next week with the other half, technically, of this episode, and in the meantime, you can find us on social media, Dead From Shamps on Twitter and Instagram. Email us anything you want at deathbyshamps at gmail.com, C-H-A-M-P-S. And I'm going to take a note from the lovely women of Yeah, No, Yeah podcast. And when we usually ask for a review, personally, when they were talking about reviews on their show, someone commented on like begging for reviews or something <laughs> on their show. And I was like, hi, that's how podcasting works. Uh, yeah. That's what you have to do. But Literally. I'm going to take a note from them. And instead of my usual, email us your feedback and hit us with those five-star ratings and reviews. We have patrons that care about us. So if you want to talk you. shit on us in our reviews, you go for it. Fucking <laughs> go for it. We don't In the you. words of... Beautiful duo, Molly and Katie. <laughs> Roast us. <laughs> yes. But also, like, leave legitimate feedback. Don't just be mean. Well, yeah. I still stand by that. Yeah. You can Agreed. roast me, but, you know, make it constructive and at least fun. Yes. Don't tell me that my voice is annoying and I'm stupid. I know that. Right. We already fucking know that. <laughs> Trust. Don't have to tell us that. <laughs> so if you would like more of our uh, annoying voices and yes. stupidity... You can find that by uh, subscribing to our Patreon at $2 a month and getting an extra episode per, you know, whatever whatever that timeline is. Just Every getting month. one more episode than everyone else does. And we're, we're looking at some ways to get organized over there with a book club. Yeah. Some other fun activities for everyone on the yep. Patreon. And thank you so much to Emily and everyone else that supports us over there. And everyone that listens every week. Thank you. Thanks. A year of reflection. 29. <laughs> My memoir. Here you go. We pick back up next week. Uh, so till then, we're here to keep you up at night. Bye. Ooh, that was good. That real glass champagne clink. Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> Hail Satan. And pop some bottles. <laughs>